0: This is Liz Reed. This is my podcast called Liz Life Guru. I'm a practicing therapist here in Michigan. This show will focus on addiction, mental health issues from beginning to end. I am also in recovery for the past 20 years and I have plenty of topics that can help you from A to Z. So let's get started. Welcome to Liz Life Guru. This is Liz Reed. We are continuing our conversation today with Chris Morris and his new memoir, "We Are All Made of Scars," number one on Amazon. And I look forward to more information from Chris. When did you start to, um, you know, say to yourself, "Listen, you know, uh, my grades aren't good. I'm not doing good. I need to do something. I need to make a change." What were some of your thoughts on that? When did that come around?
1: Oh, so the big uh, turning point that way. So uh, again, I don't want to give all the spoilers in the book. Yeah. but things got so bad where my stepdad finally said, "Hey, you know, this has been going on. I've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars. I just changed the locks on the house. You all have to find somewhere else to live." Which you know did not handle it probably mm-hmm. in the best way. That no, he could. probably so not. My br- no. Um, so my brother moved in with my dad in Chicago. I moved in with my grandmother who lived nearby. Come to find out, oh, she's also pretty a functional alcoholic, which mm-hmm. I didn't know. So that was bad. My mom moved into a motel. Um, she ended up losing everything. She had, um, things got really bad with her and to the point where she's calling me every day, asking me for money and, um, attempted suicide. It just got really bad. Mm-hmm. And I am live. you know, I dropped, dropped out of high school. Like I said, I'm living with my grandma. who's an alcoholic. So I have suddenly a new set of problems with a new alcoholic, I working at McDonald's uh, my friends had just gone off to college for the first year. Uh, I, you know, I'm living with my grandma working at McDonald's. So that's when I finally reached a point. I was like, wow, I am doing a lot of drugs. I'm on this dead end job. I'm really smart. I know that mm-hmm. my mom is out of control. Mm-hmm. You know, I have to make a change because I saw the writing on the wall and I talk about that. Like if, if I don't do something in the next 10 years, I'm going to become like my mom, even faster, you know, mm-hmm. than she is because I'm already on this track or, um, yeah, things are just not going to end well for me. So that's when I decided, okay, I need to make a huge change. So I, I love, I still have so much gratitude, even though things were so bad for me, I had the sense of mind to be like, okay, Hey, <laughs> you need to do something here.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yes. And you know, that's interesting because you remind me so much in reading this book and just talking with you briefly, it reminds me so much of myself. Um, This was years later. I didn't get sober until I was 40 and I was an alcoholic. Mm. I've been sober now almost 22 years. I went to outpatient rehab once. I'm an anomaly. It doesn't normally work this way. Okay. I'm fully aware of that. Uh, But I think the reason (laughs) why it worked for me once was because it's what I wanted. I mean, it was like a light switch went off. I remember, and I've told this story before, being at my in-law's home, I was 40 years old. I was standing there drinking a margarita that was three and four quarters of tequila with a splash of a lime over it and saying, I'm going back to school and I'm quitting drinking, okay? And everybody's like, sure, Liz, sit down, you know? And I was a functioning <laughs> alcoholic. I did very well, but that that i had had a light bulb moment that was like... My life is going to change now, and that seems like it's kind of like where it was for you. I was like, this is a dead end to effing nowhere unless I do something. Yeah, mhm.
1: absolutely. And I'm so glad that you have yeah that experience, I mean, because you're right, that's, that's the anomaly
0: for yeah. Sure. <laughs> and a lot of people don't get that. That's why I think we hear with so many people, um, well, you know, well, you have to hit bottom, you have to hit rock, bottom, and I'm often like, many people don't have a bottom. They just do without mm. and keep doing without. Yeah. They have less, they have less, they have less. And this went on with your mom. And I'm sure you know people like yeah. this. They get they just get by with less and less and less and less. And there is no bottom for them. And those are truly the people we pray for that are, you know, really have a hard time uh, in their journey into sobriety. Did you ever have any battles with alcohol at all yourself?
1: No, that's a, a great question. I thankfully, I mean, my brother and I, I think we both made an unspoken I, I think we actually have talked about it where, you know, I've just like many people, I certainly and I have a drink every now and then, but sure. I, I've i been drunk probably, I don't know, five times in my life. And mm-hmm. I I always think like, okay, no one in my family wanted to become an alcoholic. So I, I knew that's something I need to keep an eye on. Like I know, that's not an area where if work gets too hard, or my life gets stressful. I can't turn to alcohol to kind of help numb those feelings. So I've been really good my whole life about that. Thankfully.
0: Good for you. Good for you because your mother that we often what we see with families that of alcoholism and addiction is uh, you're, you have a propensity to become that, right? Plus we've witnessed it. Oh, absolutely. And so you, I see families either lean into it or they lean away from it. And you and your brother decided to lean away. That's wonderful.
1: I've had these conversations with my daughters, uh, who are teenagers and said, Hey, you know, you're going to get in situations where you're going to, people are smoking weed, doing drugs, drinking, you know, Hey, that's, that's part of, you know, part of life, life. but you just have to be careful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You just have to be careful because you're not one of those kids that maybe could have a drink or smoke a little bit and just walk away. Like mm-hmm. there's, you know, it's, keep an eye on that.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Because they have, they have all the markers. In their DNA right. to, to pick up. Um, my stepdaughter, I remember when she was young, her mother um, died of, uh, she was a methamphetamine addict and died of methamphetamines in her early 50s. My husband has an mm. addictive personality, her father. Um, and um, we, he's been addicted to pain pills on and off and all kinds of different things. He's a different person now, but back in the day. And I always told her when she was young, if you never try it, you'll never miss it. I used to always Mm. say that if you never, there's no, you know, there's no reason to ever drink. There's no reason to get high or whatever, you know, marijuana is the least of my worries in this day and age with what I deal with. But I'm just saying, you know, if you never try it, you'll never miss it. Yeah. And, and I just always tried to really drill that into her because when you have it on both sides like that, or you know what, it can come from a distant uncle, John, who, you know, had a drinking problem and it can pass down through your children and so it's one of those things that you really want to keep them away from if you see that this can go on in your, this has gone on in your own family and you don't want it to happen to your own children, for sure. It's scary, yeah. right? Yeah,
1: have, It is scary. And you have to have, yeah, I feel like I'm probably hyper aware. And I know that because, yeah, when I'm at work receptions or, you know, social p- events and I see people drinking too much, even now in my Mm forties, I still kind of have this part where I'm like, okay, this person looks like they've had a bit. I'm going to keep an eye on them. Like I still have this, you know, the 16 year old Chris is like becomes the caretaker. And I've certainly, um, have walked people back to the hotel room and, you know, (laughs) If you never shake that kind of thing.
0: Absolutely. So, um, your mother passed, unfortunately. Um, I'm not telling anything out of school about the book. This is a memoir. I'm, you know, at the right. most, uh, most people who are chronically ill with alcoholism or drug abuse are going to pass at some point. Um, how have, how has your mother's addiction um, changed you? How would you say it's changed you and created who you are now? What was the biggest effects?
1: Oh, wow. That's such a good question. How much time do we have? (laughs) Gosh, I mean, it changed my life in so many ways. I mean, first of all, you know, the big decision I made when I I was at my lowest, uh, as we just talked about, you know, I joined the army, which was completely insane. I mean, it was such a 180 where people thought I was joking. And I was like, no, this is this huge eject button. (laughs) So that changed my life in radical ways because it completely even though it was hard and wild and you know all the those things it gave me this like behavioral therapy that i so needed at the time because i was just so out of control mm-hmm. um so having 3 years where you know, one day I'm working at McDonald's, dealing with my alcoholic mom, not happy, at my lowest, thinking of suicide, mm-hmm. you know, cut to a year later, I'm I'm stationed in Germany, going to visit a castle with my new German girlfriend. <laughs> and it's like, what a life, yeah. you know? Uh, yeah, yeah, saved your life. And absolutely saved my life. And I came home from the army, a new person I was like, boom, okay, boom, I've got a ticket to college. I could, you know, I've got some money saved up. I've got the motivation to really turn my life around. So I think because of that wild decision, based on this trauma and my mom's effects, in a weird way, it did catapult me into, I don't know, just moving forward in a mm-hmm. way that I never would have otherwise.
0: Mm-hmm. In in your memoir, you mentioned briefly that you were starting to have a little bit of relationship trouble, which is absolutely normal with the love of your life, the woman you're married to now. Um, can you tell us just a little bit about that?
1: Yes, yes, um, and, and I should say first of all, she—I still have a great relationship. We got divorced like five years ago, oh, six years ago, something okay, like that. Okay, okay. But but you, you're so right. So I met uh, my ex-wife. We were married for like a long time, mm-hmm. and that's that's when things started to get bad. Probably was in my thirties, and you know, as I said, I came home from the army, moving forward. Uh went to school, knocked that out, got married, uh, had two kids. And it was like I was just moving in a way where I didn't want to end up like my mom. I'm like, I just want the middle class, house, wife, kids, dog. And I got all that. And as soon as I got all that in my mid-30s, I did. I got the great job, all of those things, my life started to kind of spiral out. And I remember mm-hmm. just being so confused. I'm trying to control things that didn't be need to be controlled. You know, my relationships were unhappy. Uh, and finally, I remember, I talk about this in the book. As you said, I go to th- marriage counseling and I'll never forget the therapist saying, you know, hey, tell me about yourself. So I was telling her all the things that you and I just talked about. She's like, huh, have you ever heard of Al-Anon or adult children of alcoholics, the 12 step groups? And I'm like, mm-hmm. no, not really. I'm, I, I went to al and she gave me a pamphlet with the, t- it was like the 12 characteristics or something of adult children of alcoholics. And I remember looking at that and just, sobbing going like oh my gosh yeah this is it this is the key this is what's happening who knew that all like you said earlier, um my wiring basically changed due to all these things that I went through as a child and that was like huge turning point for me to start recovery and therapy and going to Al-Anon and working the steps and yeah just figuring out okay um Here's what's happening with me,
0: <laughs> yeah. the long term effects, um, how we yes. interact with our relationships after we're you know we're grown, we're adults, and we find that you know we meet someone and our interactions with them are different than our interactions um that are healthy. We find uh, you can be either be on the defensive or be you know the knight in shining shining armor syndrome, or at, you don't know how to communicate hmm. well. There's a hundreds of different things that can happen from being in this toxic environment as a child, but now as an adult man, and you know, and obviously, you know, your wife was you know she's female. Um, your mother's female, you know, we have a certain way that we deal with the gender after we've been through something like this. There's a lot of different convoluted pieces that come together that we think, oh, I fixed all that shit. I'm fine. Mom's, you know, past. I'm a grown (laughs) man. I've got kids. I got it all going. And you're like, no, something's wrong. (laughs) Something's wrong. I'm not getting something here. Like you said, you know, everything seemed fine, but uh, there were some hiccups in there. And uh, it's yeah, she, wonderful that you figured it out.
1: Yeah. And I'm going to, it's so funny now because I'll go to Al-Anon and other 12-step groups and I'll see people in their 20s. And sometimes after the meeting, I'm like, hey, man, I, the the envy that I have, because I wish I had found you know basically i wish i had this con- like a conversation like this when i was in my 20s and i'm th- thank god that i did when i did and you know i i feel like i've grown so much in the last 12 years but mm-hmm. i'm always envious of people in their 20s or people in their teenagers like oh okay wait there are effects of living in an alcoholic or you know, house with addiction
0: sure Sure. And, you know, I noticed that also in the book, you had gone through several different therapists and you're like the same old bullshit here. Finally, I'm going uh, to tell you what you want to fucking hear. What do you want to hear? You want to hear about my mom? She's drunk all the time. I got to change her pants. I got to do this. Is that what you want to hear? Well, that must've been pretty a good. It must've been unloading right there was good for you at that point.
1: Oh yeah. Cause especially, I mean, this is when I was a teenager and it's yeah. like, I was so, as you said, I was so angry because, you know, I'm going to the psych ward, I'm talking to therapists and, you know, my mom, my mom is at home and I'm like, wait a second, this is, she's the one who should be here, not me. You know, just like you said, trying to figure out, listening to the therapist questions, going like, okay, I need to say this now. Like, I need to just say everything so they could leave me alone and I could go to the mall with my friends and
0: stuff Mm -hmm. like that. And be a young man chasing girls. Yeah. you know that's what she should have been doing that's a, you know that's a healthy environment for you not having to take care of your mother but it is who right. you are it is what happened and that's why this this memoir you have created here we are all made of scars is so touching and important for so many people to read One of the things I wanted to mention is, you know, guilt and shame. You touched on that a little bit. You know, we all have guilt and shame after, like, not accomplishing things, even though, oh, well, you were going through a lot at that time. Do you understand? Blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, whatever. Well, whatever. You know, I was, yeah, so I was going through a lot. It's, you know, I should have done better. I should have done. You were a young man, right? You didn't have a voice. Mm-hmm. You felt helpless. You felt frustrated. All of those things are extremely difficult on you. Have you forgiven yourself? Have you given yourself the grace to understand that this wasn't your fault?
1: Yeah, but man, that's taken so, so long. I mean, I, I think about, um, that's one reason I call the book We Are All Made of Scars, because mm-hmm. I think at the at the time, as I said, you know, here I am struggling with my mom's alcoholism, this and that, and going to school. And it felt like such a quote, you know, unicorn problem. Like I'm the special snowflake. Everyone else at school, they're perfect. They have a great life. I'm envious at them, you know, Mm -hmm. but as I get older, uh, I'm sure you've seen this, obviously Mm -hmm. you realize, oh my gosh, no one had a perfect job, (laughs) you know, (laughs) No. talking to, talking to all these uh, high school friends, especially uh, in the last year, so many people that went to school. It's like, oh, all those times you weren't at school. We just thought, you know, you were sick or this and that. And now we know, by the way, my dad was an alcoholic and it's like, oh man, everyone has their scars. So that's helped me. Hearing those kind of stories, going to Al-Anon, I mean, my first few Al-Anon meetings were just the the biggest watershed moments for me to be like, Oh my gosh, sure. everyone in this room is telling a different version of my story. Like mm-hmm. what? I had no idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it seems so naive now of me, but at the time I was just like, I had no idea that so many people uh, had such a similar story.
0: Absolutely. So and I think That's
1: made it so helpful.
0: I think that everybody thinks that this is their individual experience that no one's ever had. And that's why they don't want to talk about it in a public platform they don't want to go to meetings yeah. or anything like that because they don't want anybody. They think they are the only people who have been through any one of these embarrassing, traumatic events. But literally, we've all been there. If it's not in your, in yeah. your nuclear family, it's extended family. There's always some, some dark things that are going on, and it's, but it's very difficult to express them when you're young. Um, in your memoir, yeah. where do you think you have found your peace with your mom now?
1: Yeah. uh, Thankfully, and I talk about this in the book, I had just started that whole journey with the therapists and everything else just months before my mom passed. So I am so grateful that, you know, my thinking around my mom had started to shift and her and I, our relationship changed a little bit. I remember having a talk with her. One of the last conversations we had was like, Hey mom, I'm sorry. I was, I've been not, nice to you, because I've been Mm -hmm. mad for the last, you know, 15 years, Mm -hmm. frankly. And now I'm starting to understand, you know, there's more to that story. And I have more compassion for you. Mm -hmm. I know that it was the alcoholism and not you that I was obsessed, Mm -hmm. upset about. Mm -hmm. And that's helped me in the last, you know, 12 years. As you said, just think more about my mom in a loving way. And I miss her every day. Mm -hmm. And I get emotional thinking about now just knowing, okay, It's not my mom that I was upset with. It's truly the disease of alcoholism. Mm -hmm. You know, that to me has been the biggest shift is Mm -hmm. having that compassion and understanding. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah,
0: Because I know, I know that uh, if there was one gift she could have given herself is that she could have maintained sobriety because it's not something anybody wants. (laughs) It's not any, any kind of burden anybody wants to bear or to let their children down, right? It's, oh, absolutely, uh, it's not yeah. something she would have deliberately done on her own.
1: No, no. And, and I think I talk about this in the book sometimes. And a lot of our conversations, I remember when she was drinking or those moments where it'd be in the ER and I'm negotiating with her. You know, she would say like, Chris, it's so hard. You know, yeah. I want to be, I don't want to be like this, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. it would break my heart. It breaks my heart now thinking yes. about, because um, she truly did want to get sober. But I think, yeah, but she just didn't know how or couldn't.
0: Well, Chris Morris, we are all made of scars. I'm going to tell you what, you did a great job writing this book. You did a really great job. Your memoir is a book I'll always remember and recommend. Um, I definitely think that you and I need to talk more about this. We'll isolate some subjects and have you back again. It was wonderful to speak with you. It's even better that you share your deepest secrets, your story, your pain, your happiness, your recovery with all of us here. And I can't thank you enough for writing this book.
1: Oh, well, that means so much. I'm a big fan of you and your podcast. So that, yeah, it means the world. Thank
0: Thank you. you, Chris. Thank you for being on. I hope to talk to you soon. Once again, I recommend the book, We Are All Made of Scars. It's a deep and touching story by Chris Morris on Amazon about his life journey with his alcoholic mother, his recovery, and rebounding from a very difficult childhood. Thank you to Chris. The information in this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not meant to replace treatment or diagnosis by a qualified mental health professional.